Hey guys, this is Lamont with the HVAC Apprentice Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening every week. Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, look, we're going to jump right into this thing. A lot of people don't understand that this is not the age of the repair tech. As much as it pains me to say this, and it really pains me to say this, this is the selling tech error. I hate it, man. Um, it's different. It's different. I know the technicians that are older, that have been in the trade for a very long time. This is a hard thing for them to go through, man, because techs now are expected to sell. Um, and that can create a problem for a lot of companies. It can create a problem internally for the technician and it can create a problem for the customer because when you introduce a aspect like sales into the equation of your normal everyday day-to-day technician, there can be some room for controversy in there. And a lot of times people are not honest. So with that being said, we're going to talk about the age of the selling tech. That's on this episode today. Now, when I first got in the trade, that is what was introduced to me. I have to sell. So got the ad, Hey, $75,000 per year. You can make a little bit more than that. Starting off. That was what got me into the trade. When I got the interview, I was told that, yeah, you can definitely make $75,000 per year, but you got to do a little bit extra for it. So he explained to me things like IAQ, indoor air quality products, things like turnovers, selling systems. And you know, the process was so funny, man. Like we would go into a house, they would call it an opportunity eight to 10 year old system, literally an eight to 10 year old system. An eight year old system is still under warranty in most cases. That was just ridiculous to me. So you would go into an eight year old system, try to find as much as you can wrong with it, pick it apart and then tell the customer, Hey, you got to replace it. And half the time the customers look at you like you're dumb because the system's in warranty. So I'm glad I'm not working for a company like that anymore. Um, I've worked for companies like that in the past and they all were pretty much the same and they all marketed themselves differently. Hey, we're different than this company because we don't do this or we don't do that. Blah blah blah. They're all the same. The gimmick is all the same. The company that I'm working for now is truly a different company. Um, they don't pressure you to sell, man. I mean, our pressure is put on us to do what's best for the customer, which is dope, man. Uh, But then they explain to you in a way that even when you're doing what's best for the customer, the customer will be more willing to buy from you in that aspect of just being honest and truthful with them and not pushing them in any, uh, any direction, the customer will be willing to buy from you, period. And that's what we're seeing a lot of man. And it, it works. So the problem that we're seeing and the problem that I ran into was being felt like I was pressured to sell. 
And every company is not going to be like the company I work for. So we got to find out how to make it work. What can we do as technicians to sell systems, to sell equipment, to sell IQ, to sell repairs, and not feel like we're taking advantage of the customer? We can do things. We can definitely do things that work. So my thing was I was always upfront with the customer and I never sold them anything that they did not need. Now, I left a lot of stuff on the table. I will say that. And now that I look back and look over my last five years, there was a lot of stuff that I did not tell the customer about. And actually, that's a disservice to the customer. It is. Um, Because if you're there and you are a comfort specialist, you're there to make sure that that customer is comfortable. We're not there to just make sure the heat works or the AC works. A lot of the times we fix customers and a lot of them don't know. So how do we fix customers? If we just take it from a traditional repairman standpoint, if we just look at us as technicians, the majority of the technicians out there do not know how to get the customer's equipment operating at peak efficiency. Now, a lot of this doesn't even take a lot of money to do, but some stuff has to be done and some stuff you have to get paid for. So I'll give you an example. I've been at, I don't know how many companies where we've had oil technicians go out to a call with no combustion analyzer. And for those of you who don't know what a combustion analyzer is, the combustion analyzer is responsible for making sure the fuel is being burnt at optimal efficiency. If the fuel is not being burnt at optimal efficiency, then you're introducing things like carbon monoxide into the system. So with oil specifically, oil can be really, really dirty if it's burned improperly. Oil is oil is normally clean unless you're working on it and, and it gets everywhere. Then, then that's when it's dirty. But typically oil as a fuel is typically clean. As long as you have the proper nozzle, as long as you have the proper filter and as long as the damper and everything is dialed in properly, you can actually get a really good burn and the system can be super efficient. Shout out to NCI. I am correct actually carbon monoxide um, certified carbon CO and CO safety certified. Basically Um, I'm also static pressure certified. I'm water, water cool certified. I'm water furnace certified. So I got all these different certifications, right? And none of that matters if I don't have the tools to measure the equipment that I'm working on. So if we go up to an oil furnace and we use the old school method, of, you know, cleaning the, we're cleaning the unit. We're getting the sit out, sit off the unit. We're changing the nozzle. We're changing the filter. Uh, we're adjusting the air band to make sure that, uh, we're getting proper airflow. And how do technicians do this without a combustion analyzer? Right. They go outside, 
look at the chimney and they look at the smoke pattern. They don't want it to be too dark. They don't want it to be too white. They want it to be almost clear, right? And that's how I was taught, you know, and, you know, no fault to those guys. They were taught how others taught them. And then we go to the CO class and the guy's telling us, hey, we're doing everything incorrectly. How can you measure the amount of carbon monoxide that's in the flue gas? Like, how can how can you measure what a safety threshold is for carbon monoxide? Like, what are some of the things that you can do to ensure that the system's burning efficiently, that it's burning effectively, and that you're not using too much fuel, that it's not underfired, that it's not overfired, etc. So, he introduces a combustion analyzer, and what this thing measures, it measures the oxygen level, it measures the CO level, which are which are the parts per million. It measures the efficiency of the unit. It measures the flue temperature. I mean, it, it gives you pretty much everything that the system is doing. So I'm going to the units that, you know, I was taught how to do oil on and I'm measuring the combustion of these units. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm throwing a combustion analyzer in there. I'm looking at the startup. I'm looking at the operation. And then I'm going outside and I'm looking to see if I see black smoke or white smoke. And what do I see? Everything is clear. Then I go to the combustion analyzer and my parts per million on my CO, four, five, six hundred parts per million, which is well above the safety standards. The parts per million as the system's operating shouldn't be no less than 99 parts per million. And that's not what we're seeing. So. I said all that to say this, if you don't have the proper tools to measure the equipment that you're working on, the customer is already at a disadvantage because the system's not working at its peak performance. It's not working at its peak efficiency. So what do we have to do? We have to make sure we have the proper tools in order to measure this. But once we get the proper tools, we have to learn how to use the tools properly, meaning we have to know what the measurements for this particular system is when we have to know how to measure it based on the tool that we're using. A lot of guys don't understand airflow. They don't understand static pressure and how that affects the refrigerant system. So all my new technicians out there, before you go to a system that you think is low on charge and you throw gauges on it, Look at the airflow first. The very last thing you want to do when going up to a unit is putting refrigerant gauges on it. For one, if the coil is dirty, the indoor coil or the outdoor coil, that will give you a faulty reading on your refrigerant pressures. If the filter is dirty, a dirty filter can simulate low pressure on the suction side in the cooling mode. It will cause you to think the system is low on charge. If the outdoor coil is dirty, it'll make you think the system is overcharged because the head pressure will be too high. So if the blower speed is off, all of this stuff can throw the refrigerant pressures off. So the first thing we want to do when we get to a unit, of course, ask the customer what's going on. You want to figure out 
what they've been experiencing. And then when you get to the unit, you just want to check and make sure everything is how it's supposed to be. So what I do when I get to a unit, the very first thing I do on a, on a, on a call is I go back to the basics. I'm checking amp draw on all of my motors. I'm checking all of my capacitors. I'm checking all of my wire connections and then I'm checking airflow. I'm looking for dirty filters. I'm looking for collapsed ducts. I'm looking for a collapse return. I'm looking for a blower speed to make sure the blower speed is not set too high or too low. And if I have to go crawling in the crawl space to look at the ductwork, I'm looking at the ductwork. After that, I'm looking at the condition of the coil. I want to see if the coil is actually clean. And if the coil is clean, the ductwork checks out, then I'm actually going to throw gauges on the system. When you throw gauges on the system prematurely, you will end up with a callback because what happens is the system's simulating something that's not actually happening. And you're thinking that it's happening. And I don't know how many times I've gone to calls where a customer says, Hey, yeah, the technician that was out here just added refrigerant to the system. And I get to the system and the system's overcharged. So I have to pull the refrigerant out, explain to the customer, Hey, I need to go through these first steps. Let's clean the coil. Let's do this, blah, 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 blah. And then we can test the system. And once I get all that done, then it gives me an accurate idea of what's happening. Also, if you're not checking static pressure, that's something that you should be doing on every call. Because static pressure will also throw your refrigerant pressures haywire. Now let me ask you this. If you've ever been to a call where the compressor has failed and then you go back through the notes and you see that the compressor was just replaced and you're saying to yourself, dang, we just replaced the compressor. Why did it fail again? My guess would probably be airflow because it's causing the compressor to work way too hard. Either airflow, improper installation, or moisture in the system. So, I mean, all this stuff is super important, but a lot of this stuff is not what we're taught. And the problem that we're dealing with is that we got, we got so many guys that are so used to shortcuts that they're teaching these shortcuts to the newer technicians. These technicians are going by these rule of thumb laws and then they're never progressing as technicians. So definitely get out of that. One thing that will help you out tremendously is reading manuals, understanding how the blower speed is supposed to be set for a specific unit, but most importantly, learning your tools. I had a buddy man named is Chuck. He would always say, you cannot do the job if you don't have the right tools. A lot of people want to tell you, yeah, we'll work with what you got. Yeah, you can kind of get away with that for a little while. But if precision is key and if you want to be known as a good technician, you don't want to do that. Like I said, they call me, most customers call me when there's a situation that the other technicians can't handle. And we have a, I have a great staff that I'm working with 
at Worley's, man, I got some great senior techs that I can lean on. And the majority of the calls that we get are from other companies, not from within the company that I work with. We're getting requests to actually be a second opinion for a different company. And I get there. The guys told the customer one thing and it's totally off, totally off base. And the crazy part is in the beginning, when I was taught this stuff, I was thinking that I was going to be on these calls for two to three hours longer than what I needed to be just by checking all this stuff. And like I told you, muscle memory takes place super fast. So the more you do this stuff, the more you acclimate your, you know, yourself to being able to do it, the better you are, the quicker you get. And you'll understand that this stuff is not hard. I mean, you can get static readings in less than five minutes. And if that helps you understand the system so much better, just imagine what it'll do the next time you have a call similar to the one that you're on now. I mean, you're almost cutting your diagnostic time in half. So when you can do that and you can actually present the option to the customer that, hey, I've ran the full diagnostic on your system. I've checked your static pressures. I've checked your refrigerant pressures. I've checked this. I've checked that. And the conclusion that I have is that we need to either replace this part or depending on the age of the system, we may need to replace the system depending on what your budget is. And then you let the customer decide and nine times out of 10, the customer is going to pick what's best for them. If you present the options in a way that makes sense to them, they're going to pick what's best for them, whether it's a repair or replacement. Let them make that decision and be stuck with it. Because at the end of the day, it should not fall on you. Everything that you've told the customer, everything that you've educated the customer with should leave you and stick with them because they are the master of their home. They should be able to make that final decision. They shouldn't be leaning on you for that. You should be able to convey as much information as you possibly need to convey, uh, mainly by asking questions and having them ask you questions, not giving them a full lecture or theory of relativity and all that extra stuff. It's not what I'm talking about, but being able to show the customer exactly what you see and provide a clear and present solution for them. That's the best way for you to do it. So like I said, your tools are going to be the most important part of your journey in the trade. Um, a lot of guys, they skip out on getting good tools in the beginning and then they end up paying for it later. If you can set aside, you know, some money, every paycheck, whether it's 10, 15, 25, 30, 40, $50 a paycheck and get you a good tool that you can utilize on every call. So I'll just tell you right now, I'm a Milwaukee guy. I love Milwaukee. I have pretty much everything Milwaukee except for measurement tools. So like all my uh, electrical measurement tools, I was going with uh fill piece and I was going with UEI at one point in time. I have not had the best experiences with UEI. I haven't really had any issues with fill piece, but the fluke uh, electrical meters that I have now, they're it's probably the best thing that I've purchased in a long time when it comes to the trade. 
And I actually got that tip from an older guy in the trade. I mean, this guy pulled out his uh, fluke meter and I'm like, dude, like how old is that thing? He's like, dude, this meter is probably older than you. And I was born in 85, but um, he ended up saying he got it in the in the 90s, basically. And he's using the same meter and he gets it calibrated. And the meter is, I mean, it'll measure the same thing that my brand new meter measures. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going with Fluke. Fluke is a little bit more expensive, but man, it pays for itself. So, um, like I said, I'm a Milwaukee guy. I use Milwaukee pretty much everything. The cutters, the drills. Um, I, I got PVC cutters in Milwaukee. And if you saw my truck, man, I got this the, the stackable system. Everything is Milwaukee. So, um, that's just me. I like tools and I like to be able to do my job efficiently and to be able to present data to the customers. So I use the uh, digital gauges and I use the wireless gauges because it does not take refrigerant out of the system. When you pull hoses off the refrigerant system and you don't know how to actually put them back into the system, you're losing too much refrigerant and that could affect the charge over time. So I use the transducer probes from Philpiece. I use the whole kit um, and it's a super dope kit um, it's all wireless. Everything that you need is there. Uh, you can hook it up to the phone It's Bluetooth and it'll present to you the diagnostic of what's, what the system's actually doing. It'll tell you what the system's doing. If you, if you invest your tools, invest in your tools and invest in your trade, it will pay off dividends in the end. I'm telling you, you'll get all that money back and some. So it feels good to be able to go to a customer's house and diagnose the system within 15 to 20 minutes and have a complete diagnosis for them and to be able to actually show them in writing that does wonders for the customers, man. They love that stuff. So, um, you may not be able to afford it right now, but you can work your way to it. If your company has like a tool account, man, that's how I got all my tools. When I first started out, I mean, any company I was with, I would ask them, dude, like, do y'all have a tool account with Shimax? And I would max out that tool account every single time. I'm telling you, man, I spent so much money on tools. It's ridiculous. But the thing is, it's got me to where I am now because I was able to use my tools uh, to the point where I could diagnose the system and present evidence to back it up. So not only is the customer just, you know, they don't have to take your word for it anymore. They can actually look and see the data that you're seeing. And if you present that to them, and then you present the options to them, it's a no brainer. I mean, the only thing at that point in time is can they afford it or not? So that's my advice to you this week. Do some research on some good tools that will help you do your job better. What's going to help you be a better technician and get home faster, but still do your job to the best of your ability. Check it out. Hey, if y'all got any questions or comments and um, you want to hit me up, follow the HVAC Apprentice podcast on Instagram. You can always shoot me a DM. You can hit me up on Facebook, the divisive podcast on Facebook. You can hit me up there, um, but I'm always available. I'm always willing to, to help and, and lend a hand. Um, if you guys want to see what type of tools I have, I'll be posting those randomly throughout the Instagram uh, page. So definitely check that out. And I appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, hopefully I'll have Aunt Cora on the show, on the show pretty soon. And um, we can go through that. The guest podcasts are going to be a little bit longer than just hearing me talk. 
because uh, my voice gets a little boring, but um, I'm super excited for that. I'll have as many guests as I can in every aspect of the field. So we'll be talking about the trainers. We'll be talking about the installers, the admin, the office workers, the warehouse people, the salespeople, the owners. I mean, we're, we're going to get with all of them. So um, this is going to be a dope podcast, man. I think this is probably one of the only few apprentice podcasts that are out there. Um, and like I said, the technician portion of it may not be for everybody. I got a good friend of mine, Ryan Mason. Um, he was a technician. He was the one who actually trained me for the first few weeks. And then he ended up working in the warehouse and now he's selling cars and doing really good. So, you know, you just got to figure out what works for you. And if the trade is something that works for you, then I'm all for it, man. Cause you can really make a good life for yourself with this trade. And this is something that no one can take from you. This is knowledge that you can take with you at any point. I got a buddy of mine that left a company that we were working with together and ended up starting his own business and he never looked back and he's doing fantastic, man. I'll try to see if I can get him on the show as well, but thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you tuning in and I will catch you guys next time.